Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Welcome, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I am actually physically real life here with my co-host, <gasps> Michelle Post. Yay. Welcome back, Michelle. Thank you, Scott. I missed you and I, I miss being here live. And thank you for holding down the fort last week in my chaos. Hi, everybody. <laughs> well, it's not the same without you. So, <laughs> or nor is life the same without you, Scott. It's definitely a, a mutual um, fan club. <laughs> that, that, that said, and I know we're going to be talking about some anxiety producing situations today. That said, I wouldn't have traded places with you. I despise uh... travel hiccups. Oh. As much as we're going to talk about, as much as we're going to talk about anxiety reducing techniques today yes, yes. Uh, and, and what, it, what triggers folks, uh, mm. I have very little, little tolerance uh, when it comes to, let's just call it project management. And yes. I'm gonna let, I'll let you all in on a little secret. May I? Yes. Uh, we were traveling over in the UK, actually. Uh -huh. uh, there was a petrol strike. And when, when there are pet, that's gasoline yes. over here for you folks here, uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. there's a petrol strike and we got stranded uh, for about a week in Stratford upon Avon, <laughs> which was wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. And, and then Stratford. I think, and I think I've said this before, they actually, we actually started calling my wife. And when I say we, me, the local, everybody started calling my wife, the lady of Stratford, because oh. Uh, I don't care whether you believe it in reincarnation or not. Uh -huh. From the moment we arrived in Stratford, yeah. the, fir the first time, the moment we arrived in Stratford, my wife knew where everything was. She knew the streets. She wow. literally, the people were treating her like a local, like a local uh, uh -huh. at, the, at the, at the little coffee scone tea thing. It uh -huh. was, they were asking her questions oh. and so we were there, by the way, second time we went back, same thing. She knew where uh -huh. everything was. So in a past uh -huh. life, she lived in Stratford. Uh -huh. So we leave Stratford because we didn't want to stay there anymore. And we needed to get to Ireland. Mm -hmm. And with the petrol strike, lots of restrictions on it, hiccups, you had to you know, be in car queues, you couldn't mm -hmm. fill up twice, you couldn't do all these things. Make a long story short, we are driving through to the end of the, literally end of the earth mm -hmm. to finally get to a place to pick up the ferry. Mm -hmm. And we're five minutes late. Late. I and know. they won't let my car, we on. Had to, they, they wouldn't let the car on. We had to drop the car off alternatively. I thought they were by the that, that I thought they were going to arrest me. My wife thought they were going to arrest me. <laughs> I do not tolerate these travel hiccups very well. I was pushed to my limit too, five, Scott. I can relate. Five minutes. The, the ferry is still there. Yes. All they had done is literally as I'm walking up, close the gate. Yes. And it's like, open the gate. Yes. How hard can that be? And I was not yes. arrested, but it was not pretty. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, uh, the num the number of times I, I will not go through Chicago O'Hare unless I'm going to Chicago because the number of times I have sat on the runway waiting for a gate to let me exit a plane just to watch my connection flight take off in front of me. Like I can see it yeah. <laughs> when I'm like, if you could just open up the plane door, I could walk out of this plane and walk onto the other plane. Like we're both kind of sitting here, <laughs> but yeah. So this last week, my, my, just to give you the audacity. So we had, uh, we were at LAX and the flight we were scheduled on was a nice flight and we were scheduled to connect in Austin and Brian used his miles to first class upgrade once we got to Austin. So I was really looking forward to that flight even more because I don't get to fly first class typically. So we're waiting that you had to take buses from the terminal to the airplane because of construction and offsite small plane. They didn't have the buses ready. So that caused a delay. They didn't have enough buses. We needed three buses to get everybody on. Once we all got on, the, 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 um, the gas for the plane was not there. The petrol right? Was not there because they have to wait for the pilot to get there, but they weren't lined up ready to fuel our plane. Five minutes, 15 minutes, another 20 minutes, 15 minutes, blah, blah, blah. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's a flat on the truck bringing the gas to us. Five, blah, 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 blah. So again, missed our flight in Austin, uh, got crammed on a totally different airline the next day and like sardines, and, and I never really, I got, I got claustrophobia for the first time in my life. I was so exhausted and depleted. And we were so cramped in that plane. And with the mask on for pandemic reasons, I, I've never had claustrophobia before in my life. So I was pushed to my limit. By the way, and, a, this is an interesting learning experience. I think for mm -hmm. everybody listening who mm -hmm. are either entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, or business owners and run a team. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to this. Michelle, uh -huh. how did the flight crew treat you as you were going through all this? Did they care? Yes, very much. So we were on Alaska, the, the Alaska flight that we were booked on. They were very compassionate, apologetic. I feel bad for them because they were managing everybody's stress really, really well. Now, when we switched to, again, we're not affiliated with anybody, but I'm going to say some names today. When we were switched to Delta, they bought us like the cheapest fare possible. We couldn't even pick our seats ahead of time. <laughs> I don't think they were really happy to welcome us because it was in the middle of all this craziness. Uh, but in general, the 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 um, actual attendants and pilot on the plane were very compassionate. And the at, reason that, yeah, the reason I asked at the that, desk, not so much, but yeah, the, on the, the plane, yes. The reason because I'm a big believer in customer service. If, Absolutely. If you, if you want to grow your business yep. and in the midst of turmoil, you mm -hmm. might be experiencing it as well, oh. but the, you, you need to de-escalate and yes. And be empathic with yes. the client or customer yes. for them to make you turn you into a raving fan and treat you like the white knight that you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today is the anxiety stuff. And it's just, yep. I'll go back to my ferry boat going, leading, <laughs> leading over to Ireland. Nobody cared. It, yeah, it's, that's hard. It, it, it's like, and when you get that feeling as a it traveler, enrages you. yeah, yes. it just like pushes the buttons. Well, that's how we felt with the actual customer service people on the phone and at the desks, like trying to rearrange our flights. 
that, you know, there's a big difference between however they train customer service at the desks and on the phone to how they're training uh, pilots and flight attendants and things like that, because the quality is so much higher. Yeah, um, and I'm going to go one. I'm going to go one step further, not to take away from the rest of your story, Michelle. (laughs) But but everybody knows I'm a huge Richard Branson Virgin Atlantic fan. Yes. And one time, one time, we took British Airways. Oh. And again, we're not affiliated with any yep. of these folks. But... I have taken them. Oh, Virgin, Virgin, I've never taken, but British Airways, yes, very familiar. <laughs> and and I got to tell you, you you compare Virgin Atlantic <laughs> with British Airways. Yes. So there's Virgin Atlantic folks uh, <laughs> that that literally you can be in the back of the plane and they will treat you like you're in first, you're, you're yeah. in upper class. I know. And um, it, it's night and day and it was so bad with the wretched everything from the wretched engines which is what the pilots called them to to to, to, to people on the, the it just was a, a very not a very suboptimal customer experience and i say this all again to those of you business owners solopreneurs entrepreneurs because after the flight is over after yeah. i get back to lax and the, yes. and and the the, the horrid treatment you get when you land in, in LAX. Uh-huh. So even except for customs where the, or the, the passport check where the guy actually says to you after he gives you the horrible mean stare and they want to make sure that you pass the dog really sniff test, they finally say to you, welcome home. Welcome home. <laughs> Which is a very wonderful feeling. It is a wonderful After feeling. that's all done, <laughs> British Airways sends out a survey. Oh, no. I decided I'm going to fill it out. And I kid you. I kid you not. I did my ranking. I was very brutally honest with them. And then it came to, would you like to leave us a comment? And it was, yes, I would. (laughs) I hit the the submit button. And I kid you not, folks, what came back from British Airways was your comments are too long. Thank you for thinking of us. (laughs) And they shut me down. Well, you and I are together for a reason, Scott. <laughs> wow. You know, if you're uh, going to invite if you're going to invite customer feedback, at least yeah, take the customer feedback. At least take it. Don't limit it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I I wanted to tell you I'm finally starting to feel a little more adapted and at home and at ease in Jacksonville. Like uh, I got my new glasses. I, they probably look very similar to my old glasses, but they don't have blue blockers. So that's exciting. And I, I will name drop, but no, 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 no affiliation. Nobody's paying me to say this. I finally found like Reed Physicians Group, which is my chiropractor. And it's only 10 minutes away. It literally takes me 10 minutes to get there. That's amazing. I found my hairdresser, got my hair, my hairs did today. Uh, Roberta from Hair Tees, she 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 cracks me up. That lady. So <laughs> there are there are particular things that that Roberta advises me about about living in Jacksonville or Florida, maybe maybe Jacksonville specifically, not Florida in general, but definitely different than LA. That takes some getting used to. And mm. one of them is hearing things like, "Girl, this is Jacksonville. You better start carrying like a gun or a knife or something." <laughs> I'm like, Anyway, hey Michelle, don't. <laughs> no, no. And then, um, <laughs> and then we've been really struggling to find some pho, uh, you know, spelled P H O. It's like a Vietnamese soup. Um, so there's such good 
fa in, uh, in Los Angeles. So got to give a shout out to my partner, chef Brian, who spent two days making us the most delicious fa. I don't think I can ever do fa takeout again. It was so good. So we just started making it at home. If you can't find it, if you can't bring the mountain, if Mohammed can't get to the mountain, bring the mountain to Mohammed. <laughs> and then, um, now here's something else that's kind of fascinating that you might take for granted if you live in a large city versus a small suburb, finding a new doctor. So when your doctors in Los Angeles graduated from medical school and residencies like Harvard and Yale and UCLA and Vanderbilt, like top 20 schools in the U.S., and you're struggling to find a local doctor with a week to a medical school you can pronounce, let alone I've ever heard of. Like they're not even on the top 100 medical. Oh my goodness. So that, that still takes some getting used to. I'm, I'm working it out. Um, and then a small town, like every flight I take is a connection flight. That's what, that's what happened. If I had had a direct flight, who cares if you're delayed, you just arrive later. Right. But when you have a connection flight and then you get stranded in a city. So I got to give a little thanks to uh, American Airlines, who does have direct flights into Austin. If you're going from Jacks to Austin or JetBlue has direct flights from L.A. to um, to Jacksonville. So I will probably be taking JetBlue from now on. <laughs> but it is just it's really a challenge, like adjusting to a small city versus a you know big, big city life where you've got all kinds of good stuff and good options, everything from entertainment to food, to flights, you know, doctors. I mean, these are all the things you just take for granted when you live in a big city. You know, it's interesting that you say that, and then we'll move into our, our segment today. Um, but I, everybody knows that in, in the midst of all this, both you and I have moved. And yeah. so I went through the healthcare thing as well, finding, <sighs> finding providers who were closer than having to drive to my old doctors who yes. I loved. I've been with them for I years. Know. Right. And what, one in particular, who's a very dear friend of mine oh. and you want to talk about customer service. So yes. we, we, we got local providers and had to, it, we're on PPO. So it's a little different than, mm -hmm. than what might otherwise happen, mm -hmm. but, but still it's the distance. And I got to tell you what's absolutely fascinating is my mm -hmm. old doctor's and there were two of them. Uh, my, my old doctors actually reached out and said, Scott, quit stressing over switching a doctor who's local. You don't come to us that often to begin with. I know. We're your primary care doctors. Yes. Yes. If you need to come back to us, yeah, just call us. We'll get you yeah. in. And yeah. if for some reason insurance has this wacky yep. thing, we'll just charge you a cash price and it will be less than you would have paid anyway. I know. Actually, so, confession, my primary care doctor still is in Beverly Hills yeah. because I, I just refuse to change. And he sees me a uh, long distance. Now, my gynecologist, I have no idea how you do <laughs> a telemedicine, telemedicine. Gynecologist appointment. But I may, if I can't find somebody local, I may just consider flying back once in a while and, and having that taken care of because it's I just... actually just talked to a friend of mine and this is going to lead in directly to our topic. Today. I agree. Um, I, I just talked to a friend of mine who needed to go to a dermatologist. Mm -hmm. And it was telemed. And it was like, you, you literally yes. examine yourself. <laughs> no, you examine yourself. And then you give them the feedback. And of course, his response was, why am I doing this? If I could do this myself, I wouldn't need you. Um, so 
So, so I guess uh, there is a way to do telemedicine from gynecology. I, end of <laughs> end of story. Way too much information. When they make mammograms into telemedicine, I will be the first one to take a mammogram through telemedicine. Because I'm telling you, if more women were doctors, mammograms would not be like they are. I've heard this is a challenge for all female doctors everywhere. I've heard horror stories. Believe me, I've heard horror stories. Um, Anyway. (laughs) But I do Uh, think you're right. I think talking about this sort of leads into some of like the struggles that we are all having from adjusting to the pandemic still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I want to start off with just a little bit of background, if you if you don't mind. No. Um, And it's very interesting there's a lady that most of you have never heard of, Katerina Fake, and I'm not kidding, F-A-K-E, <laughs> Katerina Fake. And when I first heard her name, I thought it was made, it was fake. I mean, what a perfect name. She's the one who made FOMO famous. Oh, Katerina so? Fake is the one who coined the term. She's an entrepreneur, and she's actually, I think back in the 70s, if I'm not mistaken, is the one who actually mentioned the fear of missing out as this hidden driver of anxiety. Oh, wow. And, in and, the so, 70s? I, and so I think so, I'd have to go look it up some more, but yeah. Anyways, wow. Kat- Katerina, it's been around a while then. Yeah. Um, Actually, let me, while I've got you guys here, uh-huh. Katerina Fake, FOMO. Let's see where Google says it first came out. Um, fear of missing out. It's got her name all over it. Entrepreneur. Oh, she was the co-founder of Flickr, by the way. Oh. Um, FOMO was coined by Katerina Fake, a co-founder of Flickr. And nobody's got the date on it. Like I okay. said, I, I could have sworn... It was like a seventies, but I mean, it makes sense. We've been experiencing fear of missing out, whether it was coined or not back then. I can, I think find, I been... can find references back to 2012. Okay. So even that is nine years ago, but th- that's mm-hmm. actually somebody else. Um, so th- the reality is here's the thing that I find fascinating for uh-huh. any of you who are in the people skills businesses, whatever they are, when you hear a FOMO, cause we're going to get into the new versions of FOMO that have taken over. But when you talk about fear of missing out, I'm a big fan of game theory. Uh, and I'm a big, uh. I, I study everything from chess to a beautiful mind to uh, the Nash equilibrium to Survivor, you guys have heard me talk about the TV show and what a wonderful, what a wonderful example of game theory that Did Survivor. I know that about you? Because you know, I don't Brian's know. super into Survivor and has made me watch now like two well, seasons. Survivor and- started off as an ex- experiment in game theory. Oh. And here's the interesting thing: what a lot of people don't know, um, and for any of you who play poker with me, I'm going to let you in on a dirty little secret. <laughs> uh oh. Part of the fear of missing out is actually built on the decision concept of regret theory. Oh. And it regret theory is actually an entire study in and of itself. Mm. And it is the concept, I'm going to be very general here. It is the concept that I know that you are going to regret something. And yes. so you're going to take the the future pacing of regret into account when you make a decision it's true and because you don't want to regret something so now we're back to pain and play uh, pain and pleasure 
Uh in avoidance. You don't want to regret something. I know that you're going to make a decision based mostly on how you feel about a situation and how you will feel if, if you don't participate in something. So make a very long story short. That's why most people who don't, who aren't professional poker players will get in every pot. They got to play every single thing. It's the thrill of it. They're, they're very unhappy when they lose, Mm -hmm. but they would be more unhappy if they weren't in the pot with the opportunity of potentially winning, by the Mm. way, horrible way of making decisions, (laughs) horrible way. And and if you actually watch most poker players, they Uh play very few hands. They actually play very few because they are they are focused on building pot value, not regret, okay. not regret avoidance. Okay. It's much like when you watch Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or any of these these professional athletes shoot baskets in a game. Yeah. They miss they miss a basket. Oh well. Yeah. There's the next one. Whereas you know, back in high school or junior high, most of us would have beaten ourselves up because we missed the shot yeah. and we're being judged on that. So fear of missing out is built on, again, something called regret theory. And it actually is raising its ugly head again and leading to two other things we're going to talk about today, the fear of going out and oh. the fear of the new normal, right? Or, hmm. uh, and it, all of it is outcome-based. Mm. And so I'm really curious, Michelle, because you've got an active online uh, therapy practice. Mm-hmm, I do. Are you noticing an increase in anxiety of people? Well, yes, but putting it, uh, yes. I mean, everything from, but it's not necessarily been fear of missing out. It's probably more, more fear of going out or fear of the new normal. The second two things we'll talk about today, there's a lot more anxiety around like, will I get sick? Will I get someone else sick? Is it safe to go out? And, and that, that has been primarily people in large cities. So Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, my clients in large cities where they were maybe more affected by the pandemic and saw that hospitals were closing their doors from normal accidents and illnesses because they were so overrun with COVID patients. So I, I get more of that. And then, you know, um, what is it like scarcity? I even experienced it myself. Like, will I be able to financially survive all of this? And how do I repackage that and, and put that back in check? Well, actually, you, 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 you and I, when we were first putting this podcast together, <laughs> um, you know, it, we, we weren't going to do this podcast no. as quickly as we were doing it. It was actually my wife's idea. It was. And, Thank and, you, Carolyn. And we, <laughs> we, we actually, you and I were, were attempting to package together yes. something that even though I'll just say entirely different than what we're doing now. We actually, you know, we have our, our getting your shit together home retreat. That was the basis of all this. It was, And Uh we were really expecting on doing live retreats and all the rest of this stuff. And then it hit the fan. Yep. And so we needed to repivot. And I distinctly remember you and I having multiple brainstorming sessions on how the hell do we, you're moving across country. I'm not going out. How the hell do we repackage our programs for an online experience? Yep, exactly. 
Yeah, we and we had had some success with our very first mastermind group, mm -hmm. the most magical secret mastermind group, where we had that was small fun. group experience. And because it was, you know, people from across the country and, and some people were even traveling internationally in our 10 weeks, including myself, we had experimented with meeting live weekly at a set time. Um, and so we had that in our back pocket. Right. But neither of us had ever done a podcast. Not, right. I hope we're getting better, but I'm not, not sure how good we are. <laughs> but, you know, it was a totally different thing that we were doing. And we pivoted quickly into yeah. into making this into an accessible podcast because we witnessed all of our clients getting scared, isolating, scarcity, fear of going out. Will we ever get back to normal? It wasn't fear of missing out. They were like, screw that. I'm not going out. Yeah. Well, there was and, and a lot I'm, of that, you know, for, for any of you who uh, aren't willing to admit it, let me just serve as an example for you. I, I can tell you that at the height of all of the scare stuff that you were reading, and by the way, this is a perfect time to talk about social media is not helping any of these anxiety conditions that we're talking about. Okay. Fear of going out, fear of, Depending normal, on the fear channel. of missing out. <laughs> but, but again, social yeah, media most for the most it. part, because mm -hmm. let's also get real fear of missing out is keeping up with the Joneses. Yes, it fear, is. So, and what, what's happening right now is at least my friends in the entertainment industry, particularly street buskers and those doing live performances among others in Vegas and back in, in New York, are all bragging literally about going yeah. back to work and being out there. And yeah. it's not like that across the rest of the country. Mm -mm. Um, and that's wonderful folks that you get to go out and do all these things. And mm -hmm. certainly we, you know, we're all happy for each other as, as yes. colleagues, but it's not that way for everybody. So to it's a certain not. degree, there's envy in yeah. some of the folks that I've talked to and yeah. the fear of missing out is also you're un, you know, the people who experience fear of missing out are unhappy. Let's just yeah. get real about it. Yeah. Now, when it comes to fear of going out again, yeah. let me be really transparent with folks. Mm -hmm. I was not at the height of, of all of the, the stuff that was going on. I was not concerned about dying. Mm -hmm. I was concerned about laying on a gurney or sitting in a chair for 24 hours yeah. and not getting any treatment and dying yeah. because of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And this kind of goes back to switching healthcare providers. It's like, yeah. seriously, folks, we're in the United States of America. And uh -huh. that's not to put down anybody else. But no. our healthcare system is wacky. Yes, it as is. As far as the ability to get treatment. Um, it, it, I'll give you guys just a little fun thing. I changed doctors. I told you that. Yep. To get a new patient interview with my doctor. Mm -hmm. Who I switched to? How long have I been here, Michelle? Oh, year and a half. Half. Year oh, and a half. Almost two years, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got a new doctor. I was not able to get a new patient appointment with him till July of next year. What? Okay. I got online with his nurse practitioner, who I love. Uh -huh. uh, I've actually my wife gone to her for years, and I finally said, "Okay, I'll go to her." Uh -huh. Got online and decided to make my annual physical rather than going to my my former primary care physician. Uh -huh. I went online and you can do you can book stuff online at least where I am and booked 
uh, on a, a physical for my nurse practitioner, not the doctor who I can't see till July. Uh -huh. They just got a hold of me this morning and gave me a February physical exam with my doctor who I can't see till July. Don't ask. <laughs> so, you, you know, it, it's one of those things where uh -huh. I was at the height of the pandemic, I was more concerned about the lack of medical care. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. And, and I say totally that to all impacted. of you. I say that to all of you because, again, with with all respect to each of you for how you view things, the the, the, um, the number of people available because of the workforce situation know. is making getting access to services and products and goods, let alone gas, right, challenging at really best. Challenging that yeah. that we in America mm -hmm. have not experienced before. The rest um, of the world's looking at this. Oh, I'm supposing they're like, laughing at us. Yeah. Like, oh, this is like, no, this is no different in some ways. You know, the idea that you can't get your bedroom furniture for a year or, you know, uh, wood and, and building materials have, yeah. have skyrocketed. And just all of these systems, you know, having dealt with my dad's cancer diagnosis and death in a very short period of time, and then moving my mom to a new system and her healthcare. I've really been exposed to how many seniors, even with, it must be falling through the cracks in the United States. Yeah. Just nobody, if, if I'm advocating for my parents and having this difficult of a time getting them good care, and I know how to work the system, how many seniors don't have somebody that can advocate for them and they're just falling through the cracks? You know, it's... Uh, it, our systems really have gotten wacky. In fact, there's a, there's a young doctor that I follow on Twitter who's in the ICU who just decided to quit. He said, I, am I cannot yeah. handle people begging me for treatments when nothing I do will save their life. It was very specifically around coronavirus. Like I can't handle the amount of death I'm seeing. I can't handle the amount of intubations I'm doing, the amount of people begging me for treatments that are not appropriate for their medical condition based off of um, social media and false information out there. I can't, I cannot do ICU hospital-based uh, medicine anymore. And just publicly announced it on on Twitter. And then we saw a flood of, you know, he decided to go more in the outpatient area, but there was a flood of followers just providing him support. What our medical community has gone through, at least in the United States, I, I can't speak for all medical communities elsewhere, but what our medical community has gone through in the last year and a half is just no joking matter. Um, well, it, it, if it's any indication, and this isn't even profession specific. Mm -hmm, this is just mm -hmm. in general, the American, I looked up some stats this morning, the American oh, yeah. Psychological Association oh, is, re yeah. is reporting that 49% of the people that they survey, these are adults, have reported still being uncomfortable about face-to-face uh, -face interactions, 49%. Oh, yeah. And oh, what yeah. has happened, I think, and this is the fear of going out concept, uh -huh. we get the fear of new normal in a minute, it's cave syndrome. And what has happened, oh. I mean, that's, that's the technical name. So you've got regret theory with fear of missing out. And okay. then you've got the cave syndrome when it comes to the fear of going out. And what's happened, I'll go back to my metaphor before about poker. It's people, people like Scott, 
who have said, here's the risk of getting infected. Here's the probability if you get infected, what will happen? Here's, you know, based on yep. third party accounts. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to go to your favorites, the logical fallacies and the cognitive distortions. The people are taking all this data that's coming into them, these, these metrics, yeah. and they're creating false probabilities. Uh-huh. And that's what they're reacting to. Okay. And so, you know, one of the biggest things I want, if nobody gets anything out of this podcast today, other than this is please keep asking the question Yeah. is what I'm telling myself true. Yeah. You know, is what I'm telling myself is true. what I'm selling myself true. It is. And I've joked about this before on the show, Michelle, mm-hmm. you know, I'm supposed to wear a mask when I go out mm-hmm. and I, and I'm very respectful. I've, I've got all that. We talked about the Sano Just mask that. Yeah, we talked about the, the the masks that I got from Israel and for travel. I wore mine for travel. Uh huh. And how wonderful I think that that they are. And I also respect the other people. Yeah. But, but if I go into a, a restaurant, yes, and they tell me you have to wear a mask, but you don't have to wear it when you're eating or drinking, my logical brain kicks in. The is this true? Who the hell told the virus that you can't do anything while I'm eating or drinking? I know it's not true. And it's why, by the way, Scott, for on the planes, they're telling you, take your mask down, take a bite, put your mask back up while you chew, right? Take a sip. So on the planes, this is how they're advising you to manage it. And also having buried dad in Canada, you cannot go, you can't go into a restaurant without providing proof of vaccination there. Now, Brian, my partner, he's a little more libertarian. And he's like, I don't think that's fair to make that a government mandate. It needs to be the business. But I I can personally say how much better and safer I felt sitting Absolutely. at a restaurant with my love with my loved ones, realizing that everybody in that restaurant had to show proof of vaccination. Yeah. And so again, there are always defects in the process. I'm a systems yes. guy. I'm a decision guy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I help people look at things objectively. The Mm -hmm. question that you want to keep asking, and when I say, is it true? The question is, are you overestimating the risks and the probabilities? That's a good point. Or underestimating, right? Or underestimating. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and and so the the thing really here is we, we are now at a fear of going out where people have... I'm sure I've got imprints from all these horror stories that I've heard mm-hmm. from close personal friends. I mean, I had sure. a friend who whose sister had to go to the hospital and literally sat in a chair for 26 hours I know. with COVID. And it's like, really? And then they yeah, sent her home. coming in and out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I hear those things and my what ifs keep clicking on. We've talked about yeah. the awfulizing before on this show. And so- yeah. Yeah. Before we even get into fear of new normal, it might be really helpful here for you and I to share some anti-anxiety tips with folks. Yes. Uh, and, and one of the things <laughs> that I have, one of the things that I'm going to pass on to people that I have not shared before, we've talked about uh, breathing techniques. We've talked about heart breathing uh, with heart math. We've talked about box breathing, you know, breathing in for four, hold for four, exhale for four, and then hold the exhale for four. Um, I will share one more thing with you guys, and that's elevator breathing. Yeah. And it's an instantaneous way of, of stilling yourself. And here's the idea. And 
I'm going to ask people who are listening to the show to do this so that you can experience it. If you mm. will literally put your hand on your forehead or at the top of your head, doesn't matter okay. which. Got it. And then one hand in your hara or lower dantian. So just think right below your belly button, your little okay. your belly area. Okay. And here's the concept. Let me explain it first while you're self-holding. You can thank Stephen Levine but. for that. Um, <laughs> it's literally to breathe in and you want to think that you're on an elevator starting with your lower hand so that when you breathe in, you're raising the elevator up. And when you're exhaling, you're lowering the elevator back down to your belly. And oh, if so you like ever visualize, visualize an elevator moving an from elevator, one hand to the other. Yeah. And uh -huh. here's the, here's the other secret. And that is that as you're doing the elevator breathing, uh-huh. Think like what a baby does. They fill their, their belly, their lower dantian, where you've got uh -huh. your hand right below your belly button. Uh -huh. If you breathe in, that's why I want you to have your hand there. You breathe in through your nose and you fill your belly with air first and then up to your diaphragm and then up to your head. And then exactly the reverse of that. You exhale, emptying all the way down to your belly. Now, yeah. you can take your hands down. The hands are really there so that you can feel it. You can keep it up if you oh, want you have to. A marker. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, for those of you who are overambitious, if you want to take this to the next level, you breathe in through your nose and you exhale through your mouth like you're breathing through a straw. And by the way, there are lots of new devices on the market now that you can buy uh, that it's called straw breathing yes. if you and it's called straw breathing because frankly guys you can go get a straw cut it off at three inches and breathe through the straw if you want to be even more ambitious than that and this is a, a qigong martial arts reiki concept is to take your tongue and rest the the tip of your tongue right behind your teeth at the roof of uh -huh. your mouth uh-huh and breathe out like that takes a little getting used to but what that does is connect the energy circuit instant relaxation if you haven't done it before so it's in through your mouth yeah out yeah like you're breathing through a straw and you put your tongue at the top the roof of your mouth right behind uh -huh. your, your teeth you will uh -huh. notice physiologically a difference mm -hmm. if nothing else if you can't right. remember any of this elevator elevator comes up as you're breathing in elevator goes down as you breathe out do you remember we had Diane Belinsky on, mm -hmm. I want to say early, early October, first week of October. And so she talked about holding a pen or your finger about 10 inches from your face and then yeah. staring at it and breathing and then looking at a far off corner and then back again. And that this action of looking back and forth between your fingertip or the pen tip and the far off area really decreases panic attacks and, and anxiety in a very quick way. And when, so I don't know that I, <laughs> the hard part about anxiety management is you can, you've got to practice it regularly, not Absolutely. just when you're feeling panicky. Yeah. And so when I was trapped on the plane, like a sardine and blah, blah, blah. The only thing I remembered, if I'm honest, is the very first relaxation skill that I learned, which is breathing from your belly slowly breathing into your belly and out from your belly, like children, babies, pets do. And saying in my head, 
I am relaxed. I am, did do it out loud. It's just in my head. I am calm. I'm peaceful. I'm relaxed, which we would call a yoga meditation or a phrase meditation. That was the, because that's the one I practiced the longest, like, I don't know, since 2000, so about 21 years, 22 years now, that's the one that I went to that prevented a full-blown panic. I've never had panic disorder before, and I've never had claustrophobia before. So I knew there was something new going on, but I pretty, I was pretty sure I wasn't dying of heart attack. Um, I was just sleep deprived, stressed out from the flight, mask covering my face, you know, like all, all that good stuff. And that was the one I went back to. So it speaks to anybody joining us. Anxiety management, relaxation training is a lifelong practice. Start now. Because as we age, I have clients now that are 78, they're 80, they're 85. And as your body stops being able to do the things you're used to, and you have less and less choices in life, like less and less ability to take care of yourself, your ability to manage anxiety needs to be strongly rooted now. So I don't care if you're 60 or you're 50 or you're 40 or whatever, start now, practice regularly Yeah, the, you the, need it. Absolutely. And the other thing I'm going to add to the art, because we still want to, we've, we've got a few minutes left here and we still want to talk about fear of normal um, <laughs> or the new normal uh, is, you know, many of you have heard me talk about Qigong before, and we've talked about energy psychology and energy work and energy medicine uh, in the process of Qigong study. Uh, I didn't realize at the time what it was called. Now I know it's called thymus tapping, T-H-Y-M-U-S. And if you go reach down on your sternum, that's your breastbone. And those of you who are into EFT, emotional freedom technique, the tapping, mm -hmm. you, will, you will know what this is, but you can bypass all the rest of this stuff so that you don't have to sit on an airplane and go, I'm on an airplane. I'm having claustrophobia. I don't, you know, I completely love and accept myself. I completely right? love and accept myself. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> it may be viewed as a little odd. Um, yeah. And yes, there are some new... <laughs> And by the way, Especially next are, to the military guy squishing me into the there corner, are, by the way. Yeah, the air marshal who's going, okay, let's watch that person. <laughs> um, you know, there are even, by the way, what are called fast EFT techniques now, where it's as simple as going and nobody knows what you're doing other than it feels like, like you're white. just wiping your face. <laughs> the reality is thymus tapping is really powerful. And again, I used it with, with Qigong and that's just take your sternum. And if you'll tap on it, because it, it, it's a triple warmer area of your body. And I guess What's I should- a triple warmer? Well, I guess I should put in it. So you've got this vagus nerve and you've got a parasympathetic system that operates in your, in your yes. body. This is a main acupressure point. Uh, Think of it as a ley line in your body, right? Where they all meet. Where, uh, they all, where, where everything operates in your body and gives you balance. And okay. the reality is if you'll find the area of your sternum, forget the EFT point, which is your collarbone, mm -hmm. and just look at your sternum and tap on there. If you want to get, you know, don't hurt yourself. And I should put a disclaimer. I should put a disclaimer in here. By the Maybe way, King Kong was onto something. I've actually done that. Um, <laughs> you know, pounding. You, you want to rub it and no, not pound it. Tap it. Um, it's it's tapping. And here's the interesting thing for me. After I tap it a little a little while, and then I rub, it's it's almost like this tingling that starts happening, and you will start watching. It, it happens almost in the small of my back when I do this. And you will start noticing a physiological response to it. Again, very scientific. 
by the way, all the things that Michelle and I are talking about are not meant to uh, replace any medical advice. I got to do yes. the, the typical disclaimer. Thank you, stick lawyer with Scott. Your, stick with your doctor, stick with your psychologist, mental health professionals. But these <laughs> Scott are is added, not your lawyer. He is a lawyer. <laughs> the, these are, these are added, these are added tools, right? And yeah. I got to tell you, you know, walking into a courtroom, I, I could just turn my back and you can sit, nobody's going to see me doing this. Yeah. And at some point, this goes to, I, this goes towards the practice you were talking about, the art of this. Yes. At a certain point, this becomes imprinted as well. Where you and can just do a quick tip. You just tip. have to touch. And your body, exactly. And then and it your becomes, body remembers. And it, exactly. And so, yeah. for the, you know, very much similar to those of you who are into energy work, you know, you can go through and learn all the little hand placements and the symbols and all the rest of that stuff. Um, there is a school of thought that says at some point, once you work with energy enough, all you have to do is say energy on and energy off. You don't have to go through the whole uh, routine. Mm -hmm. It requires you to get to the point where that can happen, right? Mm -hmm. You got to prime mm -hmm. the pump. Mm -hmm. So I passed those little anti-anxiety tools on to everybody because mm -hmm. they are wonderful mm -hmm. uh, whenever you are overgeneralizing, awfulizing, overestimating the bad things that could happen, underestimating the risks that could happen. And then you wind up with literally an unhappy state, which mm -hmm. leads to fear of missing out, or you lead to, uh, leads to the anxiety of risk avoidance, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. creates the cave syndrome, the fear of going out. And now we've got the fear of a new normal. I mean, how right. many times, I can tell you that where I am right now, mm -hmm. I think nearly, I won't overgeneralize and tell you all, but nearly every place you go to has a sign up looking for help. Yes. Uh, I went to yes. pick up prescriptions. I went to pick up prescriptions the other day and there's a, it's a drive-through pharmacy. There's a sign on Hiring. the outside. It, it gets worse than that. There's a sign on the outside of the drive-through that says, we appreciate your patience. We don't have enough people to man both the physical desk and the drive-through. We'll yes. get to you as soon as we can. And oh, by the way, if you're looking for a job, we're hiring. Yes. Yes. I've seen that. I've seen, and therapists are in demand too. So for those, I know we talk about you going out and getting a, a therapist or a coach or things like that. There are so many therapists and doctors in demand right now that that people are experiencing long wait times. So we get it. We get that it takes a lot of energy to find a good practitioner if you're, that's why we give you these tips, right? Because we know you might be trying to get connected to a provider and haven't been successful because they're all booked up or they're all full or maybe they're at home taking care of someone, children or otherwise. Uh, yeah. So. So I, I want to quickly segue into the, the last one, which is FONO, F-O-N-O. Mm -hmm. Now, it, it's normally called the fear of normal. Uh -huh. because no, but the interesting thing is it's now also being called the fear of a negative outlook. Oh, okay. And, and what it really comes down to is anxiety about anxiety. <laughs> I know what it was like to be afraid. I know what it was like to experience that. I'm afraid I'm going to go back to that. Yeah. And then it becomes a, vi a vicious cycle. Yeah. And so one of the tips that I have found when it comes to fear of normal or fear of a negative outlook yeah. is what I call my director's technique. Uh, yeah. And this comes from my time in the entertainment industry and my, my training as, as literally a director. Go ahead. 
Before you go on really quick, um, I have had a couple clients who have come from really severe depression and have been managing really well and are afraid that with all the things they're experiencing, they'll get back to that yeah. severe depression. So is what you're about to, to teach us also helpful for people that are afraid of maybe depression? Yes. Coming back? Okay. It, it actually, this, this technique works for everything. And okay. I've taught it to a number of people. It literally came about with me working with folks in the entertainment industry because it was a perfect metaphor for them. It now works for everybody. I did just tell you that. And that is, if you haven't seen the Truman Show yet, the one with Jim Carrey, yes, where he is living what he believes to be a real life. And in fact, it's a game show. It's a reality TV show where people are watching everything that he does and he doesn't know it's fake. And I won't ruin the movie for you. It's beautiful. It's really a truly life lesson movie. If you want to watch something, if you will consider your life, when you start feeling triggered, anxious, agitated, whatever it is that, that that's happening to you, or you find yourself worrying that you're going to worry, or you find yourself anxious that you're going to be anxious. You literally start treating yourself like a director in the movie. You're not the Jim Carrey character living the life. Take a step back, take a breath, do the, the elevator breathing for a moment and simply say, cut like a director would at, on a movie set. Oh, like and scene. <laughs> right? Cut. You're literally going to say cut. I like it. The minute or you for cut, actors. The, the minute you catch yourself <laughs> agitated, activated, or triggered. I just, like that. You're, all you're going to do is say the word cut for a second, because your head works in wonderful ways. You, you yep. literally think of your life, your experience, wherever you are, like it's a movie set. And the directors uh -huh. just yelled cut. What happens uh -huh. at that point? Everybody goes, oh, okay, well, we'll cut, we'll kill the lights. We'll kill the footage that the show is over for a moment. Mm -hmm. And now picture yourself as the director of your life getting together with the script writers, the screenwriters, mm. and rewrite the freaking thing. Mm. And what's happening is you as the director are saying, I don't like the way the scene is going. Bad plot twist. Don't mm. like it. Mm. And rather than writing through the bad plot twist, which is what most of us do, most of you who are listening to this show are white knuckling your way through anxiety. Because mm -hmm. that's what we think we have to do. You don't have to do that. What you can do, yell cut in your head, yell it out loud could be a little weird um in your head just yell cut take a step back how would you rewrite what's going on mm. so instead of i'm being squished in the corner by this military pilot guy on the sardine train like oh snuggle time <laughs> that would be one way to do it could um, it i don't know how so would you rewrite that well, the, the way, well, first of all, you want to make sure you're physically safe, obviously. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, and physical safety is how we're wired with our reptile brain. And that's what ultimately leads to fear, fight, flight, and faint. Yeah. Um, so once you're appeasing the reptile part of your brain, the rest of it, we've talked about this before, is the emotion that you're feeling lasts 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If it lasts longer than 90 seconds, you're telling yourself a story. Hence yes. the screenwriter part of this. Yes. Lean into what you're feeling. Know what you're feeling. Are you really safe? Mm -hmm. Ask the questions. Are, am, am I making up the peril? Am I making up the risk? Am I underestimating the peril? Am I underestimating the risk? And if either one of those are happening, that's when it's time to yell, just, just cut. cut. 
and, and then and then you literally rewrite the story you're telling yourself mm -hmm. so that it's the plot twist that you want mm. with the understanding again your emotions don't last that long the problem that happens is we feel the emotion we tell ourselves stories mm -hmm. because of cognitive distortion and logical fallacies we just make shit up mm -hmm. and then we believe the shit <laughs> and then when mm -hmm. we believe this stuff, we act on what we've told ourselves. Mm -hmm. The idea for me is to get people to go back and remake the story that's happening, provided they're physically safe, to go back and remake the story that's creating the emotion that's leading to all this other caca. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. In, in cognitive behavioral therapy, we have a practice of teaching people thought stopping where you mm -hmm. yell stop in your head and you imagine a big red stop sign or a big red light telling you to just stop. But what I like about this is it takes another step forward. And I, I think I want to adapt that for people in my practice of now that you've stopped this, how do you rewrite it? And I think that's really, really powerful. How do, so again, I know I keep teasing about how I got really anxious being trapped in this little tiny airplane in a full flight, but I could have rewritten that somehow. Like, you know, everybody's here. We're all safe. The flight attendant is calm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm buckled in time for a nap. I don't know. I don't know how I would have rewritten it, but you know, just breathe. I am whatever that is. But I think rewriting the script that I was telling myself, which was I'm tired. I'm trapped. That was the script I was telling myself. I'm trapped. Yeah. And when you feel trapped, suddenly loss jumps in. And yes. any of us are wired. Once we feel loss, mm -hmm. we feel threatened. The reptile mm -hmm. brain kicks in. All that mm -hmm. survival mode kicks in. And mm -hmm. you can't get out of it as easily as you could have if you had caught yourself. Um, and, and just as a quick reminder, right. I told everybody in the last episode uh, and you know, I'm, I'm putting together something. I'm going to actually teach everybody. It's for free. It's not a paid class. And I'll let everybody know when it's finished. I'm putting together how to do the rewrite. And mm -hmm. I, I call it the advantage. And Good. it's when I teach my private coaching clients. And I'll show everybody how to do that. Um, it, because it's actually, it, it's actually simpler. It's not easy. It's simpler than what everybody thinks. I'm going to leave you with this little tease. It's no different than when you wake up in the morning and you wake up with a feeling. Now, most people do not lay in bed. I've talked about this before. You lay in bed, you open your eyes. The first thing you do is say, thank you. I'm here. I'm here. Thank you. Right? Have some gratitude. Mm -hmm. First thing you open your eyes in the morning. That will mm -hmm. also help with your anxiety. And then you get out of bed. Um, most people that, that at least I work with open their eyes and there's some feeling that's gone on. Now, they don't know where the feeling came from. They don't know if it's a bad dream. They don't know if it's bad food. They don't know if it's hormones. They don't have a freaking clue. They just have a bad feeling. And mm -hmm. because we are meaning-seeking machines, we're going out and saying, I feel bad. My spidey sense is coming, is, is tingling. There's a disturbance in the force. We've all done it. There's a disturbance in the force because I'm a great mind reader, right? Um, and then we say, Why? There must be a reason for this. Mm -hmm. And rather than simply accepting that we may not know why, mm -hmm. we do what's called confabulation. We make it up. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a reason. 
Okay, mm. I've been ruminating about or this. I'm thinking right? about this. Well, mm. I, the reason that I call it confabulation, confabulation. Is, is we're making it up. Yeah. We know we feel we know we feel odd, sad, mad, sad, strange. Whatever mm -hmm. you feel, and you know these other things are happening in your life. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, you're making an irrational correlation and connecting them. And suddenly that becomes the reason you're in a bad mood. Mm. And it. I'm asking everybody, seriously, if you're, in a, if you're in a suboptimal emotional state, if you will count to 90, <laughs> yeah, not 10, count to 90, yeah. a minute and a half, and you focus on your breathing and you focus on how you're feeling, you lean into it. If you're going to use some of the Pema Chodron loving kindness and, you know, Tonglen meditations, you can lean into it. It's just, as long as I'm feeling sad, let me experience this for the rest of the world. Um, lean into that without telling the story. Mm -hmm. Watch it go away in 90 seconds. Okay. If it lasts longer than 90 seconds, you're telling yourself a story. Okay. I'm going to try it. I see some heads not nodding. Do, <laughs> let me be Yoda for you, Michelle. Do or do not. There is no try. Oh, yes. I'm, I am going to. <laughs> That's my favorite quote from Yoda. All right. Anything you want to end with? Because we've kind of gone a little bit over today. Uh, let me see. I think we, I hope we've covered a lot. I, I hope that we've given people some tools. I guess the, the one tool I was thinking of telling people about, I learned from a trauma class, and that is that putting your fingers together. This will be hard to explain over audio for people. So you're, you're putting your hands up almost in prayer. Yeah. Form, put your hands in prayer hands form so that just your fingertips are, are touching. And then you pump your hands towards each other, not to where your palms touch, but just where you feel the pressure going in and out that just this simple action under a desk in the car at a stoplight while you're waiting in a doctor's office, this stimulates both sides of your brain and calms your, your parasympathetic nervous system and your limbic system down. Oh, that, so no, how, try that. How interesting is that? Now, Michelle and I haven't talked about this. I actually, <laughs> I actually was taught this as part of energy work, Ooh, uh, as far really? as, as far as feeling the chakras in your fingers and putting your oh. hands together and feeling the warmth as, as you breathe. Uh, oh. with, with the energy balls, your but palms go beyond closer that. together All right. um, <laughs> for another well, time. <laughs> wonderful. I, I didn't know you knew that. Um, next week, we're going to talk about how to thrive for the holidays. Yes, we uh, will. Cause uh, sometimes holidays are not so happy. So <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're actually, we're actually uh, addressing it right now. It's like, what do we do for Thanksgiving? We got people yes. going here and people going there and people yes. going there and you know, elderly other family members who don't want to travel. It's like, what do you yes. do? So yes. we, we will talk about all of that next week. All right. uh, Michelle and I appreciate everybody listening. I really do ask that all of you like, share, and comment uh, on your favorite podcast platform, whatever that is. Uh, and until next time, I'll leave you with, a, 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 you know, my loving kindness prayer. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. Be at ease. Bye-bye, folks. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. 
The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.